We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, 3M Open Research, early preview, picks, and we're going to guess the odds towards the end of the show. The Listener's League, not yet available to me, so once I get the link, I'll put that in the show. If I don't have it till Monday, well, then I don't have it till Monday. I'll be recapping the Open, making our bets with Jeff Feinberg in studio, so... Tune into that show if you want to end up getting it. I will always add the listener's link to the YouTube video rather than adding it to the audio feed because the audio feed doesn't quite update in exactly the same way. So if you're ever looking for it early, you can always try to check back to the YouTube video. But if you just wait till Monday, there's 2,500 spots in it. At least that's what I've asked for. Then it should be available then. All right, smash like and sub to the channel. Well, you are here. I hope your open championship went a little bit better than my Open Championship. Uh, with all the money I donated this week to the cause, whether it be on DraftKings, I mean, the sports book are making a mint off me right now. Hopefully, that you were able to take some of that and get out of Dodge with it. That would have been nice. I mean, for me, it would have been nice. For you, it would have been even nicer, right? Because, I mean, it's more important to you that all of this stuff happens. But we're here to talk about TPC Twin Cities and the 3M Open. There's only two events left before the beginning of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And we all know this season that the top 70 get into the playoffs, not the top 125. So keep that in mind as we're going forward and trying to think about this and try to figure out which guys need to play in this tournament. Because we have some bigger names in this tournament than maybe we would have expected because Justin Thomas wants to make the playoffs and he's been absolutely god-awful that he is actually playing in this tournament now. We'll probably see him next week at the Wyndham Championship as well if he doesn't get enough points to qualify, which at this point in time doesn't seem like he's going to do. There's 156 players in the field. We're back down to top 65 and ties for the cut line from the top 70 in ties that we saw at the Open Championship. So full field, 
very small portion of the field ends up making the cut. I mean, when you have 156 players, top 65 in ties, that's the fewest amount that you're going to find all year long outside of the U.S. Open, which is top 60 and ties. But let's just jump right into it. We have Tony Finau as the defending champion, and we're going to head on over to fantasynational.com. Fantasynational.com slash mayo will get you 20% off all of the research tools possible. Let's just jump straight into the course. Try to get the breakdown of what's going on this week in Blaine. Minnesota. Uh, as we take a look at the par threes on the course, we can separate them this way pretty easily. Four, eight, 13, and 17, all par threes, 13 and 17, two of the six most difficult holes on the course, playing 228 and 202. There's another one over 200. Overall, the average distance of the par threes is 203 yards. Number four is the shortest at 177 yards and plays the easiest with a birdie rate of just around 19%. It is the only par three that has a birdie percentage over 14.5%. The par fours, when you take a look at them, are a bit staggered when it comes to yardage. See, there is one you know, kind of short one. That's number 10. That leads to around a 23% birdie rate. Uh, then you have 381, 414, 416, 424. The longer ones, there's one, two, three, four, five. There's two over 500 yards. Number nine and number three, uh, and actually the long number, what is it, number two is 468 yards. Those are the three most difficult on the course. The average par four is 440 yards. So keep that in mind going forward. Like I said, two, three, and nine uh, all hold a bogey or worse rate north of 22%. Then you have the par fives. There's three of them on the course. It's par 71, by the way, 7,431 yards. Bent grass greens, in case you were wondering. On the par fives, you know, make your eagles. Uh, each of them carry an eagle rate over 2%. Uh, number 12 has a birdie rate of almost 50%, so you really need to screw up number 12. If you're not scoring on number 12, considering it plays to a 4.47 scoring average, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. 18 is a little bit different because bogeys are a bit more prevalent on that hole because everyone's going to try to go for the green in two. If you remember, this is the hole that has the gigantic pond in front of it. So if you take it on and miss, you, know, you have to drop quite a ways back. So there are big numbers, like a double or worse rate of 6.4%. The other two par fives have a double or worse rate of no more than 1.3. Number 12 is a 0.3%. So you really need to mess up number 12 if that's going to end up being where you end up going. So those are the, the three of the four easiest holes on the course. The other very easy hole is number one. It is a birdie rate of 22%. It's a 416-yard par four. Just very easy, very little trouble on that hole. So you want to make your bones on the par five. So eagle rate is going to factor in to what we are up to this week. Uh, and then we just kind of can scroll through and kind of take a look. You see around the green amongst the top 10 finishers, relatively unimportant. Although Michael Thompson had quite a save out of a bunker on route to his win in 2020. That was really nice. And kind of the more you go up, you see approach and putting. Approach and putting need to be a pretty good driver of the ball. But again, this is one of these tournaments where you need to be capable ball striking. But if you're not putting, it's just you're not going to have a chance to get anything done at this course. Uh, par fives are where the majority of scoring is going to come from. And you can see it's all staggered in terms of the whole composition. The cut line a year ago, we have oh, plus two. 
That's odd. Minus one the year before that. So I guess it just played a little bit harder last year than it had in other years, although the winning score was still minus 17 when Tony Finau ended up winning. There's water everywhere here. So it was interesting to see Michael Thompson's name pop up because he kind of came out of nowhere to win. No one was on Michael Thompson that week. And I listen, I don't want to say no one. I'm sure someone won a 80 to 100 to 1 bet on Michael Thompson, but it was just kind of strange. Then Cam Champ wins the next year after having like one good week and then putts his way to everything. Fewer three putts per round than you see at a normal course. Scrambling percentage a little bit easier. Greens and reg almost 72%. Driving accuracy uh, higher than tour average at 64%. Just different things to look at. The average driving distance 290. Basically, if you can keep it out of the water, you're going to have a pretty good week. So just don't be Eric Van Ruyen the week that everyone backed him and we'll be good to go. Take a look at the history. Four years at this course. This course played on the Sonora Tour a little bit before uh, we had the PGA event here. And it played a little bit uh, a little bit shorter because it was a senior tour event. So they've elongated it just a little bit. But we'll take a back, look back at last year. Tony Finau wins three strokes clear of Emiliano Grillo and Sung J M at the final leaderboard. He didn't shoot worse than 68 once during the week and was four strokes better than Grio on Sunday. He had a late birdie streak. That's really what made the difference for Tony Finau. Uh, distance off the tee wasn't really that big of a deal. No one in the top 12 for the week in driving distance cashed a top 15 paycheck. So that was very interesting to see. That seems like somewhat of an anomaly. But when we take a look at what really played, I mean, Finau didn't gain a ton putting but he gained a bunch or he chipped in a bunch he gained almost four strokes around the green eight on approach five off the tee so tee to green he was just substantially better than everyone then you had tom hoagie lee hodges Grio, and sung jay so tee to green overall encompassed you know the top four in tee to green ended up inside the top four on the leaderboard then you had lee hodges who ended up coming 16th mainly because he lost almost four strokes putting ditto with Stuart sink who gained over 10 strokes tee to green but lost over four strokes putting on the green. So that's what's what, what happened last year. Cameron Champ won the year before that uh, with Louie in second place and Schwartzel and Johnny Vegas. Champ gradually got better uh, as the week went along. He was 69, 67, 67, 66, closed bogey free on Sunday, made you know, birdies on par threes. He just had an amazing week. He rode the hottest putter in the field. He gained eight and a half strokes putting and four of the top five putters in the field finished top six on the leaderboard in 2021, which actually kind of tracks. You have Keith Mitchell, Hadwin, Armour, Stewart, KH Lee. They were all up there. 2020 was the year that Michael Thompson ended up winning. Michael Thompson not even in the field this time around. His Best round came Thursday. He opened with a 64. Um, and after that, bogeying number three on Sunday, he went bogey free with five birdies over the final 14 holes to win 15 of the top 17 finishers gained on proximity from 100 to 125 yards. Not sure exactly how, why that ended up being the case, but pin seeking on some of these shorter par fours ended up being exactly what you wanted to do. My favorite year. I mean, we lost the bet. I had a Bryson bet that week, and I had a Morikawa bet. And, of course, Matthew Wolf ends up winning, breaking through. He's had an eagle on 18 from just off the green to beat Kawa and Bryson by one. Uh, DeChambeau ended up eagling one group ahead of him, and you know, an eagle was the only way that Wolf was going to win without a playoff. It's funny, a lot of the live guys made this tournament uh, home. 
for a lot of years. This one really, because Dustin used to play it, Bryson used to play it, Wolf was obviously a winner at this course, Louis would play it a lot. So a lot of guys who ended up playing on the Live Tour or now, uh, were just regulars at this event. So it's really decreased the quality of field. Although it's a little bit stronger this year, I believe, than last year, mainly because of the shrunken size of the FedEx Cup playoffs down to top 70 from top 125. So you have some bigger names that might be worried about their positioning, uh, what they want to do. When we think about winners' form at this course, just try to glean something. Fina was T28 at the Open and missed the cut at the U.S. Open in the big events prior to his win at the 3M. He was T13 or better in his three non-major events leading into Minnesota last year. Obviously, he missed the cut at the Open at plus six this year, so hopefully he just took off to Minnesota. reacclimate himself with the time zone, and he should be good to go. But Last year, he made the cut at the Open. He ended up winning, so the travel's not really killing anyone. Cam Champ found something at John Deere. He was T11 after five straight, uh, a five-event streak that saw him with four missed cuts and a WD at one good event, and boom, translated that through when he ended up winning. Michael Thompson in 2020 when he beat Adam Long. Fina was third that year, so it was Griot. Griot has finished top three, the uh, three of the two of the past three years, sorry, and two of his three starts at this course he showed zero form he showed zero form after the win as well in his three lead-in tournaments michael thompson didn't have a finish better than t46 in his final four events after the 3m didn't have a finish better than t57 kind of crazy i think the only other event he played well that year was the rbc heritage which was the second event out of covid so just kind of a bizarre winner i mean it happens from time to time guys catch lightning in a bottle have a great week and boom they go back to irrelevancy. In 2019, Wolf showed no lead in form. He was cut at the Rocket Mortgage after back when they had the MDFs. Uh, he was MDF at the Travelers the week before that. Quickly going back to the scorecard for a minute. Uh, let's try to see. The likelihood of a birdie streak bridging either nine isn't very likely, but going back to front is a higher percentage play because uh, you have number 18. 18 is the 15th easiest hole on the course. 16 is the third easiest hole on the course. So you have those two. Now they're surrounded by incredibly difficult holes. You have that long par three, which only has a birdie rate of 13%, and number two, which has a birdie streak of around, or birdie rate around 15%. It's the second hardest hole on the course. Very high bogey percentage of 18% on number two. But since you have some I don't want to say a gimme birdie on number one, but it's over 22%. So you have number 18 and number one. You can squeeze those two together. That's as about as you're going to get for a wraparound because number eight, you know, number seven, number eight, number eight and number nine. Number nine is the hardest hole on the course. So you're very unlikely to get a wraparound there. I mean, 10, 11, 12 are, is probably the most likely percentage or four, five, and six and seven that run, but you get that on either coast, depending on whether you start on the front or the back. So just looking at that a little bit more uh, is where I would go to. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Check out the field this week in Minnesota. Just take a casual look at strokes gain total over the past 24 rounds. You got Norman, who just won at the Bear, uh, not the Barracuda, at the Barbasol. Obviously, I don't know the results of the Barracuda or the Open Championship at this point. Straka making another nice run and has actually played really well on courses with a lot of water. He won the Honda Classic, obviously. Uh, John Deere doesn't have a ton of water, but obviously he won there a few weeks back. But also had a really good run at FedEx St. Jude at TPC Southwind. Uh, a year or so back, or last year, yeah, when Zalatoris won. He lost in the playoff to Zalatoris. So that's another one uh, that actually is a very waterlogged course. So maybe Straka, I mean, he's probably solidified him. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say that he solidified himself on the Ryder Cup team. He is a favorite to make the Ryder Cup team right now based on his recent play, but this could about clinch it for him. So Norman Straka, Rye, Gim, and Cole are the top five in strokes gained total over the past 24 rounds. That's Ekro, Grio, Hideki, Fox, and Lucas Glover. Tita Green, we noticed that coming in uh, of all the guys who are gaining all the strokes, Tita Green. Hideki, Woodland, Gim, Glover, and Aaron Rye. Tony Finau, Vince Norman, Ryan Palmer, Ekro, and JJ Spawn are the top 10. Then you have Aberg, Seb Straka, Brandon Yu, Grayson Sig. Cam Davis, Batia, Streelman, Jagger, Hubbard, Callum Terran. That's the rest of the top 20. Then you have a bunch of guys who played really well in this tournament in the past. Hadwin, Grio, and Chez Reeve are right there. Then Cam Young and Ryan Fox. It's funny to see that in terms of strokes gain, T to green, Justin Thomas is still number 26 and winner at the Honda Classic as well. I don't know if Justin Thomas has actually ever played in the 3M. I don't think that he has. 3M? No. No 3M. He did, has won the Honda, has won the players, so played some good Florida golf courses, again, with a lot of water uh, lingering about. Eric Cole is right there, too. Obviously, he lost in the playoff at the Honda Classic. When we were backing him, although I do kind of like his form coming in, maybe Eric Cole, he won the whatever weird charity event he was in, but hasn't missed a cut since the Colonial. No real high-end finishes. He was actually trending pretty well with the Genesis, then kind of let it go on the weekend. Uh, the off-the-tee has been a real problem for him. Lately, for however, and you can even see at you know at Honda gained a little bit, players gained a little bit. He had a very nice run, even on on the shorter courses. He's been a little bit better because the accuracy is going to play a little bit more in terms of strokes gained off the tee. But when we get to longer courses, I mean, hell, even shorter courses like Travelers and John Deere, although that's an elevated event, you have better drivers in the field. No excuse here for losing 3.4 strokes at the John Deere TPC Deer Run. That's just not where you want to be. But we need the great putting to come back. The iron play has actually been very good. The around the green has been very good. So if he can kind of dial back in the driver a little bit and keep up his hot putting, then maybe Eric Cole can end up with a chance of doing something a little special this week because I got my eye on you. Eric Cole, maybe the time is now for you to come through. Maybe not. Maybe you'll end up missing the cut. Who knows? Um, okay, so... Actually, what I wanted to look at was this. I wanted to go to the FedEx Cup standings just for a minute to try to take a look at who is close and who is not. Uh, we're not getting Shane Lowry in this event. We'll see 
if he ends up playing the Wyndham or not, but you have a couple guys here just above. You have Poston, Jagger, Norman's in right now with the win that he had at the Barracuda. So you have Rye, Poston, Jagger, Stevens, Eckroat, Keith Mitchell, Ben Taylor, J.J. Spawn, Ben Griffin, Sam Ryder, and K.H. Lee all just in getting into the FedEx St. Jude Championship for the first leg of the playoffs, but they need to protect their spots at the moment. They can easily be passed over the course of the next two weeks, and even once we get the update after the Open Championship. On the outside looking in right now, Lingmurth, Davis Thompson, Shane Lowry, Lee Hodges, Damon, although Damon seemed like he was having a pretty nice run uh, at the Barracuda, although those aren't worth the same amount of FedEx Cup points. Justin Sir, Justin Thomas, Matt Wallace, Danny Willett, Adam Scott needs to get in. He's 83rd in the standings right now. Michael Kim, Shez Reavy, we'll see Reavy in the field this week. Woodland needs to do some work. Callum Terran. Needs to do some work. Mav McNeely, good Lord knows what he's up to. We're going to get Dylon, woo! And we're going to get Christian Bezadenhout. Carson Young is another one. It's funny, with the year that, you know, how much we've played Carson Young on DraftKings this year, and bet him as first-round leader, or top 20s, top 40s, no matter what it is, that he's this far out of the playoffs, sitting at number 103 in the standings. Pendrith is way down there. Glover, he's starting to get hot right now, but he does need another good week. Gim is starting to heat up in this tournament. So I don't want to say there's any added pressure on these guys, but they're the ones that you need to see with a little bit of juice the next few weeks in order to get themselves in to the FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, it's not that big of a deal for Justin Thomas. It's a missed opportunity for him to make a lot of money to secure world rankings points. And primarily, I'm guessing for him at this point is to join the Ryder Cup team because especially if Harmon ends up holding on or Cam Young, I mean, Cam Young with his finish at the John Deere and now another, if he can finish this off, another great performance at the Open Championship. Let's say he comes inside the top five. Obviously, he was in in the mix to be on the team anyway uh, and then his poor play had kind of taken himself onto the periphery of the conversation much like Sam Burns right now where we all thought that they were going to be on the team but then they played really poorly and I was like eh we don't know but now that Cam Young's kind of getting his juice back a little bit uh, you know, seventh at the Masters, sixth at the John Deere in the start before the Open. If he gets a top three, top five, whatever it is, it looks very good on him to make the team. And then if Harmon wins, Harmon's basically on the team because of points. Now we got a real situation on our hands in terms of the U.S. Ryder Cup team. And that spot that was going to be Justin Thomas's, regardless of how he was playing, is kind of gone. Now, because there's no way that you can make a case for Thomas over Keegan Bradley at the moment. Hell, Sam Burns... Sam Burns needs to do something. I don't know what the hell is going on with Sam Burns. We can take a look. Sam Burns ended up missing the cut again at Royal Liverpool. Let's see. George Burns. Jeez. Take a look at Sam Burns. See how that's going. So Sam Burns. See, yeah. I mean, sixth at Colonial, sixth at Valspar, sixth in Phoenix. He has some good finishes, but basically devoid of any really good high-end uh, major championship finishes, a 32nd at the U.S. Open, 29th the Masters, missed the cut at the PGA and the British. Uh, so it's not there for him right now. Uh, you know, His last win was last year at the Colonial, so that's not being taken too much into consideration. Finau's playing like kind of garbage, but 
he has like four wins in the past 12 months. So you can at least point to that when it comes to the tiebreaker between him and Burns. Although Burns does have, what is it, four or six wins now on the, I guess Sam Burns won the match play. So that's, that's I totally forgot about that. That wasn't included because it's not a stroke play event. So he does have a win this season uh, at a bigger WGC type event, but that's the last time that he really did anything that we can think of. Let's take a look at the modeling for this course to see if we can try to find some sleepers this week. Eric Cole is one that I really like. 3M open. It worked. It works. So in terms of the modeling, here's what we're looking at. We got strokes gained off the tee, 15. Approach, 30%. Birdies are better. Gain, 10. Opportunities gained, 5. Par 3s, 200 to 225 yards, 5%. Par 4s, 15%. Par 5s, 10%. Eagles gained, 5%. And par 4s, 450 to 500 yards so we're taking the more difficult route at this tournament where are you going to try to find easy scoring and how do you navigate the most difficult holes on the course now i didn't really factor in that 100 to 125 proximity from a few years back it feels like an outlier to me but again we've seen four years of this course kind of completely different types of winners that you know We'll see how it goes. Nikolai Hoygaard's in the field, too. Uh, he had a nice run on Saturday until it all kind of went away. So the recent numbers suggest that Lucas Glover is the best play in the field in terms of the short term. Glover, Rye, Norman, Hideki, Doug Gibb. Those are the top five. Ekro, Straka, Woodland, Aberg, Reavy round out the top ten. Grio, Palmer, Trevor Cohn, Tony Fino, Hubba Hubbard. Steven Yeager, Luke List, Ryan Fox, Brandon Yu. Is that Kevin Yu or Brandon Yu? I never get this one right. It is Kevin Yu. Kevin Yu is the one gaining all the strokes right now. Did not realize Kevin Yu was doing so well. And Lee Hodges is up there as well. If Lee Hodges could putt, watch out for Lee Hodges. When's the last time he did really well on the greens? I guess he did well at the Travelers, missed the cut, was 12th at the Scottish. He believe he... No, he didn't end up getting into the open. Uh, let's see. The Canadian putted okay. We need him to putt okay is what we need here. Take a look at the 3M. Yeah, 16th a year ago, you can see nine strokes on approach. Marginal off the tee, but gain. Marginal around the greens gain. But when you lose almost four strokes putting, it's going to take you out of contention pretty quickly. Kevin Yu, kind of all over the place. Top 10 at the John Deere. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. He had He was injured at pebble beach after he came in seventh and we didn't see him for ages so he's kind of making his way back off the tee he's been excellent getting almost eight strokes putting at the john deere on bent so i mean although he generally loses on bent that's nice to see him kind of ratchet it up a little bit although the week before on bent grass he ended up losing five strokes so uh, the putter is just either super hot or super cold with kevin Yu. Hadwin still ranks up there. Cam Davis, who was the first alt at the Open Championship and didn't end up getting in. Kevin Roy, Eric Cole, and Cam Champ. Oh, Custy Pete, Peter Quest is up there as well. See Cameron Champ. I mean, his form is about as good as it ever gets before he wins an event. Let's see. <laughs> what a weird run. 18th of the Masters. We'll see how it just is overall at the 3M is. See if this is a tournament where he has actually played well over time. Yeah, miscut first 16th. Has been very good ball striking and putting each of the past two years. So you can't overlook Cameron Champ, but if he comes in dead last, you're not going to be super stunned either. So Hoygaard and Sungjae are up there. Lashley. So there are some ish big names like Fox, 
just having Fox and Hoygaard in the field along with Aberg, you know, does give you a little bit of depth that you're looking for. Maybe Ryan Gerard can, you know, obviously he qualified at the Honda as a Monday Q, got some temp status, and he might even get a win at the Barracuda. We'll see how that ends up going. But uh, it's nice to see. It's a really good story for this year. The Gala's just been kind of middling to bad recently. Basically, since the Heritage, he doesn't have a finish inside the top 27, missed the cut at the Open Championship. That's back-to-back missed cuts. For Sahith, the last time he missed cuts like this, the Arnold Palmer and the Players' Championship in 2022. Missed the cut at this tournament last year as well. So not quite sure what's going on with him. I mean, a lot of it is driver-related. He's had some very poor driving weeks. The putter has been absolutely in fuego, despite the fact that the tee to green and ball striking hasn't been there for him at all. Let's take a look. Uh, let's, let's go back and go past 50 rounds. See if we can zoom out a little bit on this tournament and see if we can find someone who might be a bit down on the list right now, but long-term, their form is actually a bit more stable. I'm sure Justin Thomas gets a little bit better once we end up going to the past 50 rounds. Oh my God, Chad Collins is in this field? Good Lord. What is this, 2015? The Greens and Regulation King, Chad Collins? Dude, loved. Oh my God, he played the John Deere and the Rocket Mortgage as well. Good Lord. There's like a time that we used to play this guy all the time. Yeah, 2015. Here it is. He had a run, man. Let's see, 11th at the Shell, 6th at the Greenbrier, and he was just gaining strokes on approach every single week and hitting a ton of greens and regulation. Could never really drive the ball. It's a real problem. But yeah, this stretch is the one I remember very vividly. Back when DraftKings, I don't want to say first started, but when we first all started getting in and I started doing coverage on DraftKings golf. Because I think like 2014 is when that happened. He had another nice run in 2017 as well. You see the approach just kind of kicks up. Uh, hasn't been so much the case recently. Uh, has not made a cut since the 2019 Rocket Mortgage on the PGA Tour. He played in the Louisiana Open on the Corn Ferry this year too. So I don't know what the hell is going on with Chad Collins and why he's in this field. But here we are, CT Pan, the Panable. Back in play this week as well. Had those two very nice top four finishes before missing the cut at the Scottish and the Travelers. Uh, I'm not sure really what's going on with him. Classic CT Pan type stuff. So my rank in the rankings over the past 50 rounds. Finau jumps back up to number one in these. So obviously his long-term form, shockingly, better than his short-term form. Finau, Woodland, Hideki, Aaron Rye, Steven Yeager. Justin Thomas, Sungjae Straka, Sam Stevens, Batia is number 10. Then you have Grio, Hubbard, Ryan Palmer. So we have some Ryan Palmer buzz on the go. Take a look at Hubbard. Take a look at Batia, who's kind of in the mix once again at the Barracuda. Uh, Eric Cole, we already went over. Shez Reevy, Lucas Glover, we can take another look at, who is 19th. Luke List and Aberg, 20 and 21. Ekrote continues to be up there. Dylan Wu. Ryan Gerrard, Michael Kim, Carson Young is 31st, Hadwin is 32nd, so those guys get a little bit better uh, the closer that we get to real time, and we'll take a look at Jagabombs as well. So Ryan Palmer is the first one. Let's see. Hasn't really been great for him, although the ball striking had been immaculate before the John Deere, gaining a ton off the tee, ton on approach. Take a look at how he has played this tournament in the past. He was 31st last year, couldn't hit an approach, and could not putt. The putting, not being able to putt, it's nothing new to Ryan Palmer, by the way. So he has the top 10 at the Byron Nelson. That's his only top 10 since the Byron Nelson the year before that in 2022. 
And then before that, his previous top 10 was at the Farmers in 2021. So it's been a while for Ryan Palmer, really, since he's done anything of note. Hubbard is kind of up and down. We'll see what he ends up finishing at the CUDA, but it's been miscut or top 10s for him. So Colonial top 10, RBC Canadian top 10, John Deere top 10. He was 30th at the Memorial. However, he was top five going into the final round. Uh, the off the tee has been a real struggle for him. Let's take a look to see if it was accuracy or distance because if it's not if it's all distance related not so much accuracy related then i think we can skate by a little bit okay so we had four really bad tournaments in a row in terms of accuracy from colonial where he still did quite well the canadian where he still did quite well and has turned around that a little bit he's gaining back on fairways and so far for the majority of the season he has been hitting fairways and losing distance i don't mind that as much despite the fact that this is a very long course and obviously bombing it and hitting fairways is going to be a much easier path of resistance you can compete as a shorter player at this course as well you just you can't be going like you just can't bleed away strokes going into the water essentially is what it looks like uh batia there's a week we need from batia zero strokes game putting it's like his best week ever actually that's not true he gained five and a half in mexico but the ball striking continues to be great for batia the win is going to come for him when it comes Sometime in the next five years, who has a clue? It could be this week at the Barracuda. But he just kind of needs to ride a hot putter and continue to have his excellent ball striking week. So it's been pretty good for Batia, to tell you the truth. Sam Stevens, his run is kind of over at the moment. Um, let's see. He had that awesome, like, super high, sky-high chip in at the U.S. Open. But miscut at the Traveler, 74th at Rocket Mortgage, John Deere. It'll be nice to see him get back on track. He's someone I, I would like to see next season to see how he ends up doing but you know you see fifth sixth and fourth there are the last three finishes for the glove coming in the approach has been amazing was not able to keep up the putter at the barbasol when we all bet on him it would have been nice if he had just made a few more putts at the barbasol and just won that for us but he was the first round leader he was the second round leader then he kind of went away but still it's still pretty impressive four top 20s in his past five starts including Three top six finishes in a row. Jagger, you know, just continues to churn out good performances. Putting really well recently. The approach continues to be really good. It feels like a long time coming for him, uh, but the consistency has been very, very good for him. If he can keep it straight off the tee, he's going to be good to go. Hasn't missed a cut since the Heritage. Only missed two cuts in 2023 so far. So, of course, Jagger continu continues to be pretty good. Now we're back into Thigala, and boom. We're back to the beginning again. So we can see some of the guys down the list. Brandon Wu, Dylan Wu, Kevin Yu, uh, all rate out pretty well. Gerard and Vince Norman in the shorter term do a little bit better. Hadwin does a little bit better. And Hadwin has an excellent course history at the 3M. Not entirely sure why Hadwin's been so good. But Canadians just keep winning on the PGA Tour. I think there's been four of them, five of them. So let's see who's won. Mac Hughes won. Svensson won. Taylor won. And Connors won. So Hadwin to deplete the quintet. Uh, what, what's five? Quint. Quint. Nah, I'm not even going to try that one. It's too early in the morning for me to start making my brain run a little bit more like that. But in three starts in Minnesota, fourth, sixth, and 38th. Take a look at Hadwin's recent form. Not been good, but he was second at the Rocket Mortgage on a fantastic irons and putting week. I bet him at the John Deere. He sucked at the John Deere. Other way. Let's see. RBC Canadian played pretty well, came 12th. So we've seen some decent performances 
but the approach game has been very good. It kind of was a bit lackluster at the John Deere. That's okay. Everyone's going to have their bad weeks. Not everyone just gains a bunch of strokes on approach every single week. You can see Finau won in Houston and Hadwin also had a very good week there. Maybe that's a course we can look at. Uh, similar type field. We'll see you know, Woodland and Rye. Finau ends up way up there. It's funny that Scheffler played in it and just played horribly. And by horribly, I mean came in ninth probably because he couldn't putt. It's just funny to see him up there. The Gala played well that year. Eh. I mean, it's it's the same. It's Bermuda grass. It's a par 70, but it's a longer type course. Uh, trying to try to piece together anything. But we have seen a little bit of not necessarily crossover, but the 3M and Detroit used to be played uh, in proximity to one another. So you would see some correlation between them because of the lead-in form uh, that you would get at those tournaments. But uh, that's really it in terms of the research going into it this week. I suppose we should probably try to guess the odds for the week, right? Okay, so I have Finau as the favorite. If you guys remember, Jeff and I and a lot of us uh, in the space, especially viewers of the show, have a 20 to 1 future on Tony Finau going into this event from like six months ago. It just seemed like the weirdest when you looked at that market of will they win a PGA Tour event, all the defending champions, knowing that regardless of how poorly he was playing, he was still going to be the favorite or a co-favorite in this tournament. So I have him in at 12 to 1. I have Cam Young at 14 to 1. Wouldn't be surprised if he withdrew from this tournament if he ends up with enough points to get back into Ryder Cup and the FedEx Cup that Cam Young is probably going to be pretty good. Sungjae at 16, Hideki at 16, JT 20 to 1, just on name value alone. Got Straka at 25, Grio at 30, Grio at 30, Aberg at 30, Fox and Hoygaard at 35, Sahith at 33, Hadwin, Hoagie, and Glover all at 40 to 1. Those are my best guesses for the odds. It's very difficult in a field like this because when the odds open at DraftKings Sportsbook and the odds open at a bunch of different places, your favorites are going to be your favorites. They might be in a slightly different order. You might get four extra points here, four less over in this spot. But there's always like, you know, Russell Henley's always one of these ones. And I think that Grio and Straka will be it. I think you're going to see like weird Straka and Grio prices at open at a lot of places this week. And then they'll all kind of converge and end up being the same number. So uh, if you have any interest in some of these middling guys, be it Hoagie, Hadwin, Aberg. Aberg is just kind of getting juiced all the time now. Fox or Hoygaard, Glover, Straka, Grio, that mid-tier of player that could be as high as 22 to 1 at open. Might be 40 to 1 in a random spot. Probably not that deep at 40 to 1 for like Grio or Straka. But you might be able to catch 10 higher points somewhere else at open before they all end up becoming the same number. So be cognizant of that if you've listened to the show or you've done your research that that is something that those are guys that you want to bet on this week. Just be very diligent searching around at the outset of the odds dropping in order to ensure that you get the best number possible. All right? The Listener's League is going to come on Monday. The recap and the picks with Feinberg coming on Monday. I got Ross Tucker for NFL on Tuesday. If you missed my show with Aaron Schatz on Thursday, go back and check that out on the feed and up on Mayo Media Network right now. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!